Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gorn. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. Batonage Forum 2020 goes live this week, virtually. Tasting rooms open up in California, while indoor dining is allowed. More news on the release of the 2019 Bordeaux Vintage. And as ever, our Wine of the Week. Let's start with our week in wine with an interesting film that we watched last night called A Fine Line by Joanna James. Why did we find it so interesting, Katie? What's it about? Well, the film explores why less than 7% of head chefs and restaurant owners are women, when traditionally women have always held the central role in the kitchen at home as part of the family dynamic historically. And the film tracks perspectives and experiences from world-renowned chefs, including Dominique Crenn, Lydia Bastinich, April Bloomfield, Barbara Lynch, Kat Cora, and many more. And I thought the film was super insightful. It was so interesting. It really could have been two films. Uh, You've got, so Joanna James, part of the film profiles her mother, Valerie James, and her work as a chef and supporting her family through her work and to great success. And then mini profiles of the other chefs. So really, it could have been two chapters. Yes, the profile of her mother was very personal and heartfelt, and she, um, after her divorce, had to really start again and managed to create a whole chain of restaurants on the East Coast. Um, it's quite a character and a very moving um, profile, I think. But then the other half of the film is about more famous chefs and more generally about women in the restaurants and experiences they've had. So maybe it could have been split into two parts to be in a series rather than a film. Mm. But it's certainly very interesting. And those experiences that these various women have, different backgrounds, was fascinating to hear and important for them to share them. Yes, and still many more perspectives to share. So maybe Joanna will plan to make another film. Who knows? I would definitely be interested to see. And I guess there's sort of a theme here with women in the food and beverage industry, as we will also discuss the kickoff of Women in Wine event Batonage in our headline briefing uh, soon to follow. So with that, on with the news. news from here in California of the Batonage Forum, an event which Katie has helped organise over the last few months, and it's been a lot of hard work indeed. I've witnessed that firsthand. And this is an event set up um, a couple of years ago to really um, provide a voice for women in wine and other communities that don't get their voices heard in the wine industry as much as they should, and to everyone gather and discuss and talk and share their stories, uh, so quite similar to the film that we were just discussing. And Katie and her colleague Rebecca Johnson have taken over Batonage for the first time this year. This is the first event they're hosting. And it was going to be um, a one-day conference and walk-around tasting with everyone in attendance. Obviously, that has had to change quite drastically. And now everything's going to be online starting on Tuesday. And I think it's going to be quite exciting because this conference or the forum has really expanded to include even more people than there would have been in person with people being able to attend from different parts of the states rather than having to fly into California and hopefully some an international audience as well so really expanded the horizons of this very important event and so it's going to be over the course of four weeks with webinar series um three a week um so people aren't overwhelmed having to watch zoom all day long which I don't think anyone wants to do anymore but an hour-long session uh, from day to day, I think it's much more doable and it allows people to kind of jump in and jump out. So what are some of the um, key sessions that you're really excited about, Katie? 
So the theme for this year's forum is perspectives. And to kick it all off, we have Food and Wine Magazine's uh, senior food editor, Mary Frances Heck, and acclaimed chef Tracy Desjardins for the keynote address, discussing how we can rethink our roles in the hospitality industry. And then Julia Coney uh, hosting a panel of women of color evaluating their unique experiences in the industry. In another panel, we'll have inspiring female California wine producers talking about gender and generational succession, uh, moderated by Kelly White. And then two sparkling sessions featuring boss ladies of the Fizz Biz, presented by Blaine Ashley of the Fizz's Female. And then overall, you know, we're going to hear from voices from around the world contributing to the breakout sessions, addressing topics including finance, limiting beliefs, and the art of writing, career advancement, and communication. And all this is possible because we moved the event to the virtual platform. Otherwise, we wouldn't maybe have such a diversity of voices. I look forward to it. I think there's going to be some very interesting discussions. Certainly the one on uh, the women of color is going to be extremely relevant given the events of the the last few weeks. So I think that will be uh, viewed quite keenly and intently. What I'm also interested in is how this event's going to work. It seems like you've got a lot of signups. A lot of people are really interested getting more of a voice than you had before. And is this going to be the future of of wine events and discussions like this, doing it virtually rather than in reality, because you can get more voices heard? Yes, and I think it's more practical for attendees, uh, seeing as it's something they can fit into their workday. They can sort of log off and log into a Zoom session for an hour versus take a whole day off work to attend a conference. I, you know, I really do believe even though you know, things will start opening up in the future and we will get together again in large groups, I hope sooner rather than later. Uh, I do believe there will always be a place for these virtual events. And now people have been forced to really learn how to navigate the digital space. And it's going to be a fantastic conduit to bringing people together from all over the globe. Yes, perhaps the future is a combination of these virtual events and real events in person. And I know you're going to introduce um, sessions throughout the year, aren't you, that are going to be hosted virtually as kind of an addition to this one-off forum? Yes, correct. Because uh, Batonage Forum is, yes, an annual event, but it's also a community. So it is our hope to continue regular webinars, checking in with different subjects and different speakers throughout the year. So the community will remain Here in California, tasting rooms have slowly begun to reopen, often by appointment only to control the number of guests and ensure social distancing is maintained. On Friday, indoor dining and drinking were also permitted for the first time since March. We can only report anecdotally, but many businesses seem to be exercising caution in reopening, as as there are still a number of local bars and restaurants who haven't taken advantage of the easing and restrictions, instead assessing the situation to assess when it's both safe and feasible to open again. The reopening of California has been controversial. What pace should it open at? Why were restaurants opened before tasting rooms? Should the response be localized or consistent across the state? And of course, each state across the country has acted differently. As tasting rooms reopened, Chuck Wagner of Camus withdrew his lawsuit against Governor Gavin Newsom, which he had filed as he had felt the reopening of restaurants and the restrictions on tasting rooms were prejudicial to wineries. In the UK, there's talk of pubs and restaurants being able to serve food and drink outside on June 22nd, 
While in other countries across Europe, things seem to be more normal, with cafes in Paris to open up this week. Yeah, it's still quite strange walking around and seeing what's open and what isn't, and everyone's got their masks on, so it's certainly not the normal that it was before, but slowly getting there, making sure everything is safe and that the virus is, is contained. And this weekend also Spanish football came back, which was extremely exciting. So I actually was almost overwhelmed with all the football I had to watch, because it's German football and Spanish football. Um, I've managed to restrict it to those two leagues because Portugal and Turkey are back as well. So things kind of normal, but kind of not. But um, hopefully the tasting rooms and the restaurants are able to um, cope with the diminished traffic that they're going to receive. Well, some already haven't, sadly. I know there's one restaurant in Napa that opened just for two weeks uh, before they decided to close again, uh, still offering takeout curbside to curbside pickup. But they didn't feel that it was fair to their staff, who could be exposed since guests are not required to wear masks when they're sitting at the tables. And then, of course, the hit on revenue and having to half the amount of people that they can serve at one time. So we'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Yeah, and we'll be recording it here on Wind Up Weekly. The pod reported last week on the first releases of the 2019 Bordeaux Vintage. Despite its quality, the prices per bottle were generally 25-30% to 30% lower than 2018. Bordeaux producers concluding that in this environment, a lower price was necessary, and that's even though volume is down as well, so they're going to be taking quite a hit compared to what they were getting before. And that trend has continued this week as other major chateaux released the 2019s onto the on-premier market. One of Bordeaux's most famous wines, Cheval Blanc, was released 30% lower than the previous year, available at €370 a bottle compared to 520 in 2018, so still quite pricey. Likewise, Mouton Rothschild was down by 30%. Angelus, one of the top Saint-Emilion producers, was also lower, though only by 8.7% at €230 a bottle. So the question is, with these much lower prices, Are these wines going to be bargains for the investor or the Bordeaux drinker and they should snap them up now? Or should they wait as wines are generally better at value at auction than on primeur? That is a good question. And it leads into what I've been pondering after reviewing all the stats about sales in wine in general and how the lower end has skyrocketed and sort of the the luxury uh, price range is obviously stagnant because people are, are looking to cut costs but then you have this ultra premium segment where you know those people are probably purchasing the same as ever and they haven't changed so anyone buying bordeaux en premier is probably still planning to do so i would imagine it's interesting because i'm not sure i imagine many of them are but maybe some people are a bit more reluctant i know they did this in 2008 after the crash and the wines kind of held their value because it was released at a lower price, whereas generally the value goes down after on premier. So maybe this is a good investment opportunity um, for the next 10 years. And it's supposed to be a very good vintage as well, although people have had difficulty in tasting it because they haven't been able to go to Bordeaux and taste the wines from the barrel. Some samples have been sent out, certainly not widespread tastings we're used to. <laughs> Now for our wine of the week, which is Katie. Matthias and Napa Cabernet Sauvignon 2016. 
The pod has mentioned before how we're big fans of Steve Mathiasen, a viticulturist based in Napa who works with some of the Valley's top vineyards and wineries. He's a hands-on obsessive, innovating and experimenting with training systems to get the best quality fruit in a changing climate. With his wife, Jill, he also has his own winery, Mathiasen, with unusual varieties like Rafosco and Ribola Gialla planted in his back garden. But Mathiasen also makes wine from more standard varieties like Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon, albeit in a very different style from other California wines made from those grapes. And this week, we opened the 2016 Cabernet Sauvignon. It's not a grape variety we open that often or drink that much and um, we don't really like those big full-bodied high alcohol styles so we kind of um, shun away from them well since we're local and yeah. most of the cabernet sauvignon in our backyard is from napa yeah so we're very used to that style as well so we don't really experiment with it that much but the Mathiasen one was delicious and quite unlike any other napa cab that we can think of and katie you tasted it blind I mean, what did you think it was? Because you didn't think it was Cabernet Sauvignon. Well, I had it tagged for somewhere in Italy or Spain. I felt there was an old world character to it. It had that really bright acidity, but somewhat of that kind of more, I don't know, chalky tannins that kind of led me to the to the old world. Yes, and it's quite herbaceous as well. Um, Napa producers often um, are a bit afraid of those herbaceous aromas, associating it with under-ripeness. But I think Cabernet Sauvignon should have a little greenness to it. It's a varietal... Uh, characteristic and I think once you knew what it was you were like oh yeah it's Cabernet Sauvignon it's just not what immediately comes to mind in tasting a wine like this. Yes so the wine's only 13.3% alcohol which for Napa Cab is very low and it comes from six vineyards across Napa so 86% Cabernet Sauvignon 7% Petit Verdot 5% Merlot 2% Cabernet Franc it was a three-week fermentation and then it spent 20 months in 20% new French oak that alcohol is what Napa used to be you look at bottles from the 1970s and they're all 13 13.1 so it's kind of old school in that way even though Steve Matheson's a young trendy very influential producer and Kathy Corazon tends to keep in those levels as well. So they're kind of two peas in a pod in that respect. Yeah, and the fact that there are two favorite producers from Napa probably gives an indication of the style of wine that we prefer. Cheers to that. So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gorn. Join us next week for another Wind Up. And in the meantime, we ask that you please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That helps other listeners searching for the news in wine to find us. Especially if the reviews are positive. That's right. See you next week. Cheerio! Cheerio!